Thank you for pressing play on this newest episode of A-Sides. I'm Andy, and for this episode, I welcome back frequent guest Corey Rosani from The Great Affairs. Now, this is a guy that I first talked to way back in the start of this podcast, back in 2020 for episode 33. Brought him on several times, as I've said, and one of my favorites was for episode 60, where we talked about his band loss. So for this episode, we are going to dive into the year of 1994, which is kind of fitting because one of the recent episodes I talked with Dax Nielsen, he said 1991 was a pivotal year for rock and roll. And also, Ryan Roxy, he called his band Roxy 77 after 1977, which was another great year for rock and roll. So one of my personal favorites is 1994. So enjoy episode 147 with Corey as we dive into 1994. Thanks for listening. Look, it's rock and roll. And cue music. Full screen. Look at that. Now I'm working. Now we're now we're playing. God dang! Every time I do these motherfuckers, they uh, something's different. You know. Maybe we should do it more often. I, hey, I'm down. Thanks, Rizzo, for doing this again, because this is like your eighth appearance on A-Side, so you finally passed Denny. Uh-oh. Well, I'm sure he's he's yeah. in line for his next episode, so. <laughs> yeah, but I got I got more. I think I got more with you, because you still want to do the rat chat, and then yeah, I was I thinking thought... about Alice and Chains, so then, see, you're going to blow him out of the water even more. But see, I thought he was going to be part of the rat chat. Well, even if he's still part of the rat chat, you're ahead of be... him. Right. Yeah, you would still get another appearance. That would still count well, for you, too, so. I'm sure he'll be disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> Smack me around. <laughs> <laughs> well, going back to some of the last ones that we recorded, we were talking about Dio albums. And do you remember we were talking about like songwriting credits and like Bane contributed and Vivian yeah. had a couple? Well, I've got Dio live in Donington or whatever, yeah. 83 and 87, the CDs. And I was looking through the booklet because I had the CDs in my car. And the booklet actually lists the songs that are on each CD, and it lists the writing credits. But there's something here that I've never seen in any liner notes ever. Mm -hmm. It lists the percentages. Like, um, here's one. Like, uh, Stand Up and Shout is the first track of the 83 CD. And the writing credits is uh, Dio and Bane. And it says Nige Music 65%. And then light dusting music, 35%. Yeah. So then, yeah, like, I guess Dio got the larger piece of that pie. Yeah, and it depends on how yeah. they did it. Maybe some songs, they were, it was based on, uh, maybe he wrote some of the music and the lyrics, and yeah. Bane just added, like, a pre-chorus or something, so. Uh, yeah, or even, like, on the next CD, like, the 87 one, they do Long Live Rock and Roll, like a Rainbow Song, and Dio Blackmore. Well, Nige Music got 50%, and then Thames Talent Publishing got 50%. So, yeah, they split it evenly. But then yeah. here's, like, one that, like, stood out to me. Last in line, it's Dio, Bane, and Campbell. So you got three guys on that song. Um, Nige Music uh, was Dio, 66%. Uh -huh. Then you have like light dusting music, 17%, and Vivian Campbell was 17%. And I think there was another one too that was actually even smaller with uh, Campbell. And he got like, uh, he didn't even get any credit on it. Yeah, Rainbow in the Dark. Okay, this is what it was Dio, Apathy, Bane, and Campbell. It was 75 Dio, and then a 12 and a half split between light dusting and Vinny Apathy, and nothing for Campbell on there. Nah, so I maybe know, that's man. why he was like 
The yeah. fuck you, fuck you, Dio, man. I want some publishing money. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's really uh, that stuff is confusing and sad to me. I f- I feel like Rush, Rush really did it correctly, where it was like, yeah, whoever you know, they always split everything three ways. You yeah, know? so just makes it easier in the end. I get it in some cases where it's like, you know, okay, we have four guys, yeah. one guy's doing nothing. He's sitting in the back collecting 25, you know, that's the <laughs> argument. That's the argument for the kiss stuff sometimes yeah. is, well, you know, this guy didn't contribute. He contributed to song, but when it came to other stuff, he did. So it can be a slippery slope, but the bands that usually like U 2s done it that way, Rush did it that way. Yeah. There's a handful of other bands that have done it that way, and almost all of those bands are still together and still the same dudes. Yeah, because <laughs> everybody got rich. You know, I know bands like that where it's like, okay, the singer got everything, and he's living in a 2,400 square foot house, four bedrooms, yeah. <laughs> and his wife and kids, and the guitar player and bassist she'll you know share an apartment. You know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's like, wait, didn't you guys all just get back from Japan or some shit? It's just like <laughs> playing a sold out shows. It's like, yeah, but you know, he gets all the publishing. It's like, well, you know, and I get it. You know, maybe that guy does write everything, but I don't know. I feel like you take some pieces away and it's just not, it's just never the same. And it just isn't. Even if one of the guys, it's just a kiss again, we keep you yeah. go back to them. I just feel like it was never the same once those two were gone, you know. Yeah. If true. they hadn't gotten fired, they might be dead, but you know. <laughs> I just thought it was weird though with that Dio thing. Cause yeah. I've never like, seen that either. That's I've weird. I've seen I've seen like, you know, where you would think it would be like a three way split, you know, like an even yeah. piece of the pie if it's a pie chart, but then seeing those percentages, it's like I guess they do get three pieces of the pie, but they're yeah. just smaller smaller well, size cuts. <laughs> Yeah, and I don't know if you've seen the latest, the, all the Dokken drama. Oh, I did see something like he's that. He's went on, yeah. Dokken's went on and said, well, like the last record was just credited to Dokken, but he wrote yeah. everything and kind of in an interview alluded to that he wrote most everything and the rest of them were too busy partying. And both yeah. Pilsen and George have come forward and said, that's crap. Like we wrote sometimes more than half of that stuff. So yeah, it's just, but you know, those guys get those egos and stuff gets weird and money yeah. gets thrown around. I, especially when you're a young dude, it's just yeah. like, hmm. I did watch that Dio documentary. I think I watched it after we recorded that last one. And I yeah. guess that percentage stuff doesn't make sense though, because I think there was a line in there of either Dio or Wendy or somebody said, maybe it was in that, or maybe I'm just remembering something else. Either way, it said like Dio was... They were the ones basically footing the bill for the tour, though. The dragons and paying for all the stage stuff. So so it's like maybe they got the bigger cut, but they were putting some of the money back into the band or something somehow. So I don't know how it all worked on the back end. I'm sure there's some shystery stuff going on and all that. You know, it's like any other business. It's not, you know. True. It's not a church. topic that i got you here for is one that i'm excited about i think you're super excited about it too I oh hope. yeah i like I, I it was a good yeah going yeah. back to 1994 and yep. talking about favorite albums from 30 years ago it seems just like going back i wasn't really that into music in 94 i was still watching cartoons and reading comic books <laughs> and stuff because i was like 10 but right. the older i got the more bands i was into i was like man a lot of my favorite albums of these bands were all from 94 even big debut albums too are all yeah. in the span of of 94. Yeah. Yeah, it was a, it was a I mean, I was I'm was a little bit older. I was out of cartoons and all that. I was <laughs> drinking in bars at that point, but uh coming up in music, I mean, I I feel like I would have probably fit in better in the 80s just cuz I'd love that kind of era of music. But yeah. at the time I did kind of come into playing out in bars, that was that period. So it was, and it was a weird time, too, because everything was morphing. Well, it had already morphed, I guess, at that point, because I think 94 also is Pearl Jam Vitology. The tables have all, had already kind of tipped towards the grunge thing, and most of those 80s bands that I dug, really most of them died on the vine, you know, yeah. So, which was a bummer. 
you know now they all kind of live together and it's a it's a cool little thing but music's weird that way you know yeah it kind of like goes like waves or ebbs yeah. and flows i don't know if it does anymore but it it did big time back in the day now i don't i don't know what it is but yeah but yeah 94 was a great great time and like i said it was when i was finally early 20s playing in bars so it was oh, cool all that music and i was still playing a lot of covers at that point so a lot of these were discussing i learned all of them and played all of them and oh, saw cool, all the cool. concerts and so yeah it was a good time It was probably like a bleed over, right? Because you still would have had, were any of those 80s bands, like, I guess they were going through their I'm period to... where, like, I guess, what is it, around that time, Poison had, like, that might have been Native the... Tongue and stuff, uh, and even well, Motley Crue, but, like, would they have been Who... on MTV? Uh, still, well, they... I mean, Motley, the, the self-titled record was that year. I know it was on MTV. I guess I was movies. just wondering, by that point, did they just completely abandon all the... I feel like that's what I'm remembering. <laughs> Isn't there something... I remember talking to Denny about Warrant, and yeah. there was something where Janie Lane was like, okay, we knew we were falling by the wayside or something when our uh, picture was replaced... Record label? At the record label by Allison Chains, like Columbia yeah. or whatever. Yeah, see, like, here's a perfect example, because this just came to my mind, because around this time I remember this being big, but like Jackal. They came out in 91, and their self-titled debut, which was the big one that had all the I Stand Alone, yeah. My Cock, all those <laughs> songs. I mean, that record went platinum in 92, so their second album came out in 94, and they did the Woodstock thing, but I, the two singles, I don't even remember that. So, I mean, it was already... It wasn't getting blown up on MTV like yeah. it was earlier. We talked about this earlier today. Like I, I, a lot of people probably get angry, but that's probably my favorite Motley record. <laughs> it's mine too. Yeah. So I mean, I mean, I I love the old stuff. Like the first record it, out of the Vince stuff. That first record and and looks you know, looks a kill and all that stuff. Those first two records were awesome. Shout out the devil and. Uh, the EP, they were awesome, but I just feel like that '94 album was incredible. <laughs> yeah, but it was it might not have been a Motley Crue record, you know? It leaned a little more towards Zeppelin. Well, here's something I'll throw at you. I feel like the Motley '94 album, Bob Rock produced, but I feel it's like basically like it kind of set the stage for Load and Reload because they're basically like Fuel yeah. could have fit on that or uh, vice yeah. versa. Totally agree. Just yeah, wrong, like, wrong guy, wrong looking guys. Yeah, you know, they they didn't look the part, and who knows what it was with that. And I mean, the funny thing is, Metallica only got bigger with that stuff, but they almost kind of glammed out. <laughs> yeah, really, with the, with like, the eyeliner and stuff. Yeah, which I, I I dug all the Metallica stuff, you know. I, I, yeah, and and Kirk still kind of floats that way, you know. He's kind of the more stylish one. You see him in photos; he's always wearing Gucci suits and <laughs> white loafers, and you know, yeah. it's his thing, you know. So I I appreciate it, you know. Even Alice Cooper had an album out this year. In 94. I mean, that year in 94. Yeah, yeah Last Temptation. And he kind of updated his style. It's not his best album, but I like a few songs. And there's some interesting writing credits. Like, I think Jack Blades and Tommy Shaw like have a credit on there. And even... Well, that was the period where they were doing Damn Yankees, probably. Yeah, uh, and then Chris Cornell came out. There. Yeah, so I mean... So yeah, so he was writing with a bunch of... I don't know who the... Alice's lineup was at that point. Yeah. He was in the band at that point. I don't know. But I think every, all those bands were just reaching. Yeah. Try, you know, like, how do we, oh, it's all gone. How do we, how do we get it back? And it was like crazy. Like I said, I remember playing bars, playing Jackal songs like She Loves My Cock in 93. Yeah. And like by 94, it was like, you didn't play that stuff. You played, you know, Pearl Jam and, and Soundgarden and Alice in Chains. You didn't 
if you yeah. threw any of that. If you threw anything in, it was maybe Black Crows or something like that. Yeah. It was if it was 80s rock, you didn't touch that shit with a 10-foot pole. Well, that makes sense because all the huge grunge bands had albums out this year. And like I've got a list of just stuff I was writing down of albums I could think of from 94, but I didn't actually kind of look deeper until this morning i was on a lunch break and i looked yeah. up like what were the number one albums in 94 and like all of those albums stp their album went to number one or it yep. debuted at number one vitalogy was number one even allison chain's ep was number one jar, of jar flies. flies yeah yeah i mean throwing copper live that had to be up there because that had huge singles bush 16 stone was that year yeah and going back, we were talking earlier, another thing that'll tick people off, and get it'll trigger people, Corrosion's album Deliverance came out yeah. that year. And I love that record, but the one right before it <laughs> was probably my favorite, the, the one <laughs> oddball. But yeah, so they had some, I always like the odd records, I guess. That's just me. Corn Self-Titled. Oh, shit, yeah. Dude, that came out, that, they, that started a whole... It's weird because I think back now and I was like, man, those feel like two separate eras, the grunge and new metal thing. But they yeah. were only like a year or so, year or two apart. It really wasn't that far removed, you know? Um, oh, shit. Yeah, because if you think about it. I mean, all the... those bands were on their second records per, you know, Stone Temple and and uh, Soundgarden and, and all that stuff. So Korn was kind of coming out once those bands were on their second record. But still, it was that close. Yeah, the next wave was already creeping up on them. Yeah. Because Manson, I think, had their uh, first album in 94, too. Yeah, I mean, and then from there, you got, like I said, you had Limp Biscuit and all those kind of bands living in the same world with Alice in Chains. It was like a weird, you know. Yeah. It was a weird thing. And metal seemed to still do okay, like Megadeth and Metallica, like you said. So it was yeah. really just the happy rock. Anything that was happy... Went to shit. Yeah, was, <laughs> yeah. No, because yeah, like, then no, Pantera's... I don't want nothing but a good time. <laughs> I, I want to <laughs> kill people, you know. Yeah, Pantera's album was number one too. That far beyond driven. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. no, no happy rock on the radio. Fuck you. No. Pretty much. <laughs> I mean, pretty much. Out of that year in 94, you mentioned some debuts like Korn yep. and Bush, and then Manson had a debut album where there was Weezer and Green Day. I guess you could say Green Day, well, their major label, Dookie. Their major label debut, yeah. And then The Offspring. Which one would be your favorite debut of that year? Man, that's a toughie. I would probably lean towards the Green Day one uh, or Korn, one of those two. Because I still listen to both of those bands. Yeah. Uh, I never really got into The Offspring. I did listen to Manson, but I got into him about the third, fourth record. And I can't. And then I lost him after the sixth. Yeah. So um, that's the only reason I say those two is because they really stuck out. And I still have consistently listened to those bands. Yeah. They stood the test of time for you then. Yeah. You know? Okay. Cool. And I think they stood the test of time. With a lot of people, I mean, Green Day and Corn still play pretty big places. I, I don't know. I'm sure the Offspring does well, and Manson ain't doing nothing. But uh, <laughs> unfortunately, because I, I I do like his music, Weezer did pretty good. I yeah. I do like that debut. I prefer Pinkerton a little more, the second record, other than uh, the first two records. I never got into them either. So yeah, Green Day and Corn tie. So, I almost thought you'd say Bush, but no. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I like Bush. They just weren't... Uh, well, that could be taken... Okay. Anyway, uh, <laughs> no, I, I do like that record, but the Green Day one, if I had to pick one, we talked about this, I think, last time we talked. There's just certain albums where you think of them and you remember where you were. It's almost like you smell a smell and it brings you back to... Thir you know, same thing with that. Yeah. I, I remember sitting on my porch cranking that, <laughs> you know? sitting in an apartment like whoa you know and so it's i and then it's like i'm there
Welcome to paradise. Out of the grunge bands that we mentioned, STP, Nirvana. Well, they had the unplugged one, but Pearl Jam and Soundgarden, Allison Chains. I guess what do you want to throw live in there? Yeah, I would say I would. I would throw. I mean, I, I don't know. They're such. They're such a unique band. They yeah. kind of fit more with you two to me. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, we could throw them in there. What one from that category is your favorite of that year? Yeah, probably Purple. I did like Jar of Flies, but it was just an EP. Super Unknown, great record. Vitology, great record. Neither one of those are my favorites by those bands, but uh, that STP one's primo. Yeah. So it's I feel like it's their Here We Are. That first record kind of was derivative of some of the other bands. And I love that record, the first record, but Purple, kind of the sophomore record, they kind of did started doing their thing where it's like, okay, we're more than just a drop D grunge band. We're going to yeah. throw you a left and a right here. <laughs> so yeah, that one would be the big one. Yeah, really, because core kind of stays in that kind of space, whereas purple, you got the interstate love song, and yep. then you got the one from the Crow soundtrack. Uh, big yeah, empty. Big empty. Which um, that's was that ninety four the crow soundtrack? It yeah, be. yeah. There were awesome. some cool songs. On I miss soundtrack records. Those were it was just too cool sometimes. It's like man, this and this and another another couple albums that I'm looking at here. Some odd odd choices for me, but Shudder to Think is mm-hmm. a band that I really was into, and they had a record called Pony Express. I don't remember if that was their debut, but they were a really weird trippy band. Huh, what was it and called? Shudder to Think. Was Shudder to band. Think, like with deep yeah. shudder. Yeah, I think the guitar player, oh, what is the name of the band? The Cardigans, the girl the singer, she married the guitar player. That's They might run in the same circles. But oh, they're okay. definitely not uh, like the Cardigans. Yeah. <laughs> Their music is much more, I wouldn't say it's heavy, it's just, it's weird. And uh, 311 Grassroots was in 94, which uh, it's another band I love, and that's a great record. The biggie for me that year was probably, well, I love Pantera too, but that Jeff Buckley record, Grace, was in 94, and that's just a masterpiece of a record, you know. That would be, if I had to pick one for that whole year, like off the top of my head, like, wow, that's just a piece of art. It'd be the Jeff Buckley record. I still crank that record all the time. It would be King's X Dog Man or Pantera Far Beyond Driven. <laughs> so you have the two two things, but that Jeff Buckley record overall is a cool record. So awesome. Did you ever get into him? I've listened to that. I guess I didn't revisit it. it kind yeah. Of escaped it's me. it's an acquired yeah. thing. Some it's like shudder to think you might hear that and be like, what the hell is this? <laughs> so because it is, it's one of them, you know. Like, like I said, we've talked before. I love Bjork. She's another one where people are like, "You like that?" I'm like, "Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why." Because I, you know, normally don't like super weird stuff. I'm a little <laughs> not really big on the avant garde, but uh, but her stuff is really cool. You had mentioned King's X, and here's something that's weird about that Dogman record is. So I got into it. Obviously, you told me about Dogman and Freddie. I'm yeah. saying that. You guys both said, well, start there. Given your music taste, start with Dogman. But looking it up on Apple Music, I've only listened to it on there. And it said 1993. Well, then you said 94. And I was just like, hmm, was it 94? So today on my break Uh at work, when I was looking up, I looked up a list on Wikipedia of albums released in 94. And it does say 94. It was January 94. That's but what I was for some, say. It was like the beginning of the year, I thought. Yeah, but for some reason, Apple Music, and I wanted to make sure I wasn't crazy. It says December 28th, 93. So I don't maybe know. They, maybe they did a, a you know one of them early release. I, shoot, I don't know. But Apple Music's known for, uh, I mean, I've got some, I can't remember what records I have. Oh, I just, uh, 
the other day, me and uh, <laughs> some people were talking about White Lion. So I was like, ah, oh, I haven't listened to those. So it shows the first or the, the second and third records. It both shows the same year, 87. And it was just oh, like, man. they both didn't come out. So I, I think sometimes their information on Apple Music isn't 100% correct. Yeah, I started thinking that too. I was like, well, like all this stuff existed before iTunes and Apple Music. So maybe yeah. whoever uploaded it just like had a brain fart. Or, or they uploaded like, that. like the remaster and it's like, okay, well, the remaster was four years later. I would say, I know I'm asking you the questions, but I'm going to chime in. I would say... Yeah, I was going to say, going back to all those questions, what what would the the first answer be for you? For me, the debut, I would actually almost go Weezer, the Blue Album. Because I always seem to... Weezer's a weird band. Because I always seem to get into an album, and then I'll love it, and I'll forget about them for like five or six years. Or they won't do anything that really draws me in. And then they'll bring me back, and then they'll lose me again for another, like, six years, yeah. and then I'll come back. Say, like, Green Album was when I was in high school, and Hashpipe was on the radio, like, one summer when I was in high school. It's like, you yeah. couldn't not hear Hashpipe. Like, I don't know, the Pork and Beans song or whatever on the Red <laughs> Album was just kind of goofy. They did a bunch of goofy stuff, like the Hurley Album with the guy from Lost on the cover. Yep. And then they brought me back with a couple way later like the white album where they're on the beach or something but then they've lost me recently too yeah i mean i'm looking too i'm I'm as we're doing this i'm kind of doing my little my looking up some stuff too there there were some other non like tori amos one of her record came up she was trippy and cool pink floyd the division bell there were some oh ace of bass the sign that song came <laughs> out the album i think may have come yeah. out in 93 but <laughs> but yeah there were that you know Boys to Men's second album. Yeah, it was a cool, cool time for music. I just, there's a lot of cool stuff floating around. Yeah, or even, too, something that I've got into way later that wouldn't have been even anywhere near my radar in the 90s, but the Johnny Cash American recordings. Yep. And stuff. And then he ended up doing like five or six more, and then some came out after he passed. But I mean, those are all cool albums. Super cool, man. Even your t shirt. Cheap Trick had an album. Woke up with a monster. Oh, yeah. Which is a cool record. I didn't realize it came out in 94. I don't I think anybody did. Uh, <laughs> knew it came out in 94. Maybe. <laughs> so, what are your fav- what's your favorite grunge record then? Uh, man, I got to go. Well, Purple's one of my favorite albums just ever, like, period. But, yeah. like, I've always loved Jar of Flies, too. I mean, I said, yeah. like I said, I, you know, said before, Alice in Chains is, you know, like my spirit animal. So yeah. anything they do, I love it, you know. And yet I find, yet I find repeating in my head. If I can't be my own, I feel better I guess we mentioned the Crow soundtrack, and that's really what kind of started a huge like gateway thing for me. I got into it because this came out in '94, but I didn't hear the Crow or even see the movie. I think till like later, like maybe '97 or something, right. around the time the sequel was out, uh, The City of Angels. Yeah. So then I went back and saw the first one and listened to the soundtrack, and I was just like blown away. Like, yeah, holy, sh- probably like you in '94, I was blown away. Like. Holy shit. Like, okay, yeah. you got STP on there. You well, got there's a Pantera. Cure song that was super cool. Yeah. What what Pantera song was on there? I'm trying to uh, I think it might have been a cover or something. It's called The Badge. It oh, sounds man. more like a punk song or something. Yeah. Yeah, The Cure was on there. Yeah, there was some cool Nine Inch Nails had some cover. So it was like all these huge, huge bands at the time that were still huge in like ninety seven, ninety eight. But then yeah. you have these weird kind of alternative underground things like My Life with the Thrill Kill Colt. Yep. Like I've never even heard anything else from them. Oh, no. No. They're super cool. Yeah, there was yeah, that cure, that cure song. I love that cure song.
Kane Syberry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or what's what's the uh, second band on there? It was like Golgotha Blues or something is the song. Oh, Machines, uh, Machines of Loving Grace. Yeah, like, do they have anything else that was big, or were they just on that soundtrack? I think they did a few albums in the 90s, and I don't think they were around for maybe but a decade. I, I don't really remember any of their stuff other than that song on that record, so that's pretty horrible. I just thought it was so cool, too, because everything sounds so, like, dark. Like, even that Rage Against the Machine song's darker yeah. than kind of some of their other stuff, the uh, Cure song. It was really yeah. dark, whereas at that time, they had, like, Friday I'm in Love was on the radio or yeah. something. And then that, here they go cool with that thing. song. Yeah, that's been a cool thing with that band, though, all along, is they kind of had these happy things and these, you know. Yeah. Which I think, you know, U2 does the same thing. Led Zeppelin did the same kind of thing. You know, Kiss does that. I think any band that's kind of one-sided, unless you're ACDC or a few other things, do the same thing over and over. It's a little, nah. Yeah. <laughs> So way back then in like 94, you were yep. saying that you were like playing out in bars and you were covering a lot of these songs um, in bands. You were, in. were you still in Illinois then or had you moved away? I, no, I didn't move uh, from Illinois until 98. Oh, okay. So in that, yeah, 94, I was 21. Anybody yeah. want to do the math? But oh, okay. yeah, so I, <laughs> but yeah, I, so I just got to the point where I could go to bars and hang out legally, started playing as much as possible. So yeah, it was a lot of traveling the Midwest, playing Madison and Chicago and Milwaukee. Oh, and cool. St. Louis and just kind of doing that that thing, you know, doing a big circle. But yeah, it was at this point, this is probably the point where I actually started writing original music. So it's probably about half and half, but most of the covers I was doing around 94 were probably leaning more towards Alice in Chains and Pearl Jam and yeah and uh you know a couple of years earlier maybe was the like I said the year prior 93 I was in a band at that point and it was funny because they were more of a throwback to Black Crows and and maybe a little bit of ACDC and that kind of thing mm -hmm. and that was the band we would cover songs like She Loves My Cock and <laughs> that kind of stuff and and uh Raging Slab and some of those uh but my time in that band, I watched it morph to where it was like, well, let's add this. Oh, what song do they do? Mother Love Bone. This is Shangri-La. And we'd start adding some of that stuff in that kind of was like this gateway, you know? So, because uh, Mother Love Bone was kind of that way. I, I really dug that band because it was kind of, it mixed between the two things, you know? It's like, okay, well, this is grunge, but it has a little bit of the poppy. Yeah, David Lee Roth. You know, he kind of looked like David Lee Roth. They still kind of were a little glammy. Yeah, he kind of straddled the line of like the. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. So at that point, so that was probably '93. So yeah, by '94 is when everything kind of really switched, where it was like, okay, we're not playing. <laughs> we're not playing. She loves my cock no more. Yeah, because we don't playing. want anybody to leave the bar. Everybody, to, we yeah. don't want to kill the crowd. Yeah, right. and I mean, I I, th I feel like it. A good example, and it's no diss at all, because I, you know, I love all these bands. Uh, over time, you know, you realize, oh, well, I still like that one. But and Jackal's still a fun band. Um, but I remember opening up for them a year earlier or so. Maybe it was early '93, or maybe when their first album came out. I saw them at a much bigger venue. Fast forward to I'm in this band. And we're playing in Milwaukee and we're opening up for them at a bar that maybe held a couple hundred people. So yeah. they had already went from here to, you know, pretty fast. You know, they were still living it up. They still had the bus. They were still, and they were great. I mean, no, don't get me wrong. He sawed up that chair in this little <laughs> bitty bar. But, but it, you, that's what I'm saying. Just over that quick of a time, you saw how fast it just went downhill for those bands. It was just almost instantaneous. So just by by ninety three, end of ninety three, because it was winter. I remember it was done hmm. for for bands like that. So yeah, by ninety four, we weren't all that stuff got thrown away. And if you did anything like that, like I said, you would cover a Cure song or do a a, a Black Crows would maybe be as far to the eighties as you got. <laughs> <laughs> you just reminded me of something though with talking about 
how it kind of dropped off like really quick. That Molly 94 record, like we're talking about how we love it. Well, isn't that the same case with their tour? Oh, yeah. As they're on tour, they were like dropping to like smaller and smaller venues until they just got pulled. Yeah. Yeah. It's unfortunate, you know, but, and it'll probably happen to them. Well, maybe it won't happen to them again, but a lot of these bands it'll happen to again. You know, I see it happening already with the influx of, in the last five years, how everything has kind of re-emerged, like these big 80s bands getting their resurgence. Yeah. And you're starting to see, okay, well, the first year they came, they would, like, come to the Ryman. It's like, it'd be sold out, you know, here in Nashville at the Ryman. And then the next time, pretty close to sold out. And then, like, it's been six years, and this is, like, their third time, whoever the band is. And it's like, man, there's about 300 empty seats, yeah. you know? So it's, you see it's kind of waning again you know it ebbs and flows motley might not be in that group but but a lot of the mid-level ones yeah speaking of motley though i actually <laughs> wondered with them on that stadium tour are they really a stadium band or is it because they've got Def leopard with them at the time or poison or something are they kind of on the backs of that because they weren't doing stadiums with like Alice Cooper on their actual, like, you know, this is the end tour. They weren't doing stadiums. I don't know. I know that Def Leppard's going back out and doing sheds again or outdoor, I don't know, call yeah. stadiums, whatever. But they do have, what is it, Journey and... Yeah. So they're they're stacking the bills. I don't think Def Leppard could do it by themselves either. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's where I guess I was going with that. Yeah, yeah I, think you, I think you definitely got to make a package out of it. I don't think neither one could, and I, I, you know, I think both bands are great. I think John's Five is an awesome addition yeah. to that band. Interested to see what they do with new music, but even then, they have a New Year's Eve show which they bailed on, and the yeah, rumor was it got... was because it was un, didn't sell very well. Was the, was some of the chatter online was that it got canceled because yeah. nobody was nobody was buying it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You know, so who knows? Yeah, maybe yeah. they they could be part of that too. So I don't know, but it, it it ebbs and flows, man. It always does, and I I don't know if they're young enough anymore to have a a, a second resurgence. You know, I mean, there's only a few U twos and Metallicas and Rolling Stones. They only seem to get bigger. It's a secret <laughs> sauce that like four or five bands have figured out. Yeah, how to. I mean, literally, I can't really think. ACDC might be one, but, I mean, I guess they're in the same boat as, as uh, Rolling Stones because I, I saw they're going out this this summer in Europe, ACDC is, but now it's Chris Chaney is playing bass. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I just saw that today, yeah. Yeah, Cliff so Williams there's, like, is, like retired. two original, well, one original dude, Angus, really, because, you know, yeah. Bond's not there, but from, you know, the Back in Black era, there's only two of them. But, yeah, there's... That's all I can think is those few bands, three or four of them that have gotten to that boom. We are huger than, yeah, huger than huge. That's a impressive thing to do. Going back to Motley. I think that 94 album is that classic to me. It still sounds great now. Where when I listen to the EP, it sounds super dated. (laughs) (laughs) And I love it. I I do. But some of those early albums sound like when they came out. That 94 record to me doesn't sound... I mean, I put it in now and I'm like, God dang, this could come out tomorrow. And I'd be like, this kicks ass. So. Not that I wouldn't think the other stuff kicks ass. <laughs> Man, there's something too that's it's just like I don't know, really punchy or something. Like the drums, there's that right when it comes out there, power to the music is just burn out. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I, I don't know, man. The Bob, Maybe Rock, they... Bob Rock's secret sauce from that era, you know, the the Doctor Feel Good, that record, the black album. You know, people want to hate yeah. on that stuff, but you know, those albums, when they, when you cranked them on your stereo with, you know, back, you threw a CD in there and it would just come up, you'd feel it in your chest. You know, <laughs> I, that doesn't happen anymore most of the time. It's just a ball of sound coming yeah. at you now. There's no dynamics. There's just no punch. Like you said, that's a great, I mean, it, they did. They just punched you in the face. 
or even that tour too. I didn't I didn't realize it. I think until I was talking to like Matt in the Great Affairs, uh-huh. or somebody else. One of the because we talked about King's X a whole bunch of times, yeah. like in this like, period of time. And uh, somebody told me though that they were out on that tour with King's X and like typo negative, or something. Oh really? Like, yeah, yeah. On the '94 tour, and I'm like, holy shit, that is like a fucking. Yeah. Weird mix of bands, but it sounds cool as shit. It does sound cool. I would I'd, I'd go pay to see that now. Yeah. <laughs> Come back down from this cloud. Stick with me all this time to find out what I need. Did you see a lot of these bands that we've talked about? Did you see them back in 94 uh, or um you didn't because you were playing a lot yourself? Uh, no, I mean, I would say... I mean, I saw Soundgarden on that tour. I saw Alice in Chains around that time. I saw Corn around that time. Actually, I saw Corn around that time opening for Ozzy Osbourne. Oh shit! It was them. It was Ozzy, them, and Deftones on their Deftones were on their first record too. Which did that come out in '94? I think it was '95. I guess off topic, but still kind of on topic. It's in Rockford. Have you ever been to that Coronado Theater? Yeah, I think that's in Rockford. I don't know what it's called. Is it called the Coronado Event Center or something like that? I think it's still the Coronado Theater. But yeah, okay. that that's an awesome theater. Like, yeah, it's, it's like world renowned, man. There's yeah. a there was a the this band Sabotage, who I love. Uh, they shot one of their videos there. I think it was in pretty bad disrepair, maybe at that point. But uh, yeah, they've they've fixed it up and. I feel like, man, back in the day, like Guns N' Roses played there. Man, they seem pretty crazy to have Guns N' Roses at that Coronado. Maybe that was why it was in disrepair <laughs> or something. Like GR I don't know. Tore it up I mean, it's been there for forever. Yeah. It is a beautiful theater, though. I want to say something like, thinking back to a previous episode, there's a theater in Peoria that isn't really... It's been closed down for a couple decades now, but the Madison Theater in Peoria, I think that that is like a sister theater of the Coronado, like the same oh, really? um, architect or something designed okay. it. And it's just sitting there empty? Yeah, they've been they're trying to revive out. it, but the okay. last time they had shows there was like 03. It was like, I think Stone Sour was there with like Power Man 5000, and that might have been the I mean, last. That's a shame to me. Yeah. That, that's, you know. What other? I'm trying to think. What other soundtracks? Because now that we got on that, the subject of soundtracks, were there other? Because the Crow, I feel like that was the period. Like I said, of yeah. like especially heavy metal bands in soundtracks, that was like the thing. You know, we have the Lion King soundtrack from '94. <laughs> that was like the biggest <laughs> album of the year, too. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> I think I even had that back then, but I'm oh, really? Yeah. It is where we are. It's enough for this wide-eyed Yeah, what else would have been in 94? Maybe, I know Last Action Hero was like 95. There was a movie, also a super cool movie, uh, and I brought this movie up to several people, and it, I can't find it anywhere, man, but it was a movie called Backbeat. Uh-oh. And it was a movie about the Beatles and their period where they went to Hamburg and played. And Stuart Sutcliffe was the bass player. It's basically based on his life. Hmm. It was a really cool movie. And there's a uh, Stephen Dorff is in the movie. He huh. plays Stuart Sutcliffe, I believe. And a bunch of other cool actors that did some cool things. But the soundtrack came out that year. And it was them doing all the stuff they did back when they played in bars. Um, yeah. Like Twisted Shout and... Uh, all that kind of stuff. But the soundtrack was like one, uh, it was Dave Grohl, Greg Dooley, I think the guitarist from Sonic Youth. So they like formed a band and they played all the music that's in that movie. And it's awesome. Oh, cool. It's super cool. I'll see if I can find the soundtrack. I've been looking for it. It doesn't exist anywhere online anymore. But yeah, the movie's just called Backbeat. been able to track it down anywhere you know if anybody Uh, has it it's bob long bob long he'll listen to this he's probably got it
here's one for you from 94. Airheads. I think that had White Zombie and like the Motorhead song. I was actually thinking about doing a soundtracks episode with Denny because the last time we talked, we kind of got into soundtracks at the end. Yeah. And I asked him what his favorite soundtrack was. He said three, like the Emmett Otter, Streets of Fire. And then I forget what his number one was, or I forget. But anyways. It was Streets of Fire? Not um, St. Elmo's Fire? (laughs) Oh, um, it was Streets of Fire, yeah. (laughs) It could have been St. Elmo's Fire on there, too. But then I thought, but then later on, he sent me a text after we recorded that and he goes, Oh man, I totally blanked on a whole bunch of other soundtracks. And I was thinking, like, well, let's do a soundtrack thing. Yeah, 94 was a good time, man. It's especially, like I said, I was at the, the cool, I was at a good age for... Yeah, music. you were at the age to really enjoy it because... I was old enough to go to bars and yeah. see cool shows. I was old enough to be in a band and play in bars. Yeah. And, you know, because, you know, a couple of years earlier, I was still playing in bars, but I was had to sneak in and oh. <laughs> be chaperoned or sit at like a, you know... They'd be like, hey, you're, you, you know, sometimes there was two of us and it'd be like, you sit at that table in the corner and don't get up, you know, <laughs> it's like, great, this is going to be a fun night, you know, wait to play and then play. And then, you know, the rest of the guys are drinking and having fun. And you're like, oh, okay, I'll be right here. I'll be over here with my soda, my RC Cola. <laughs> oh, um, Nine Inch Nails, Downward Spiral. That was a super cool record. And they were a band that I love that record, but I, ne- I never had a chance to see them live until about five years ago. At the last minute, I got asked to go. A friend was like, hey, somebody bailed. You want a free oh, ticket? Yeah. And it was like 10 throw. And they Holy were shit. Aw- yeah, they were awesome. So it was an outdoor venue here, and they were killer. Some of the other stuff, too, that was on our list was the Megadeth thing. It was the Euthanasia record. By that point, Yeah, I'd kind of, them and Metallica, both those records are great. Don't get me wrong, but they weren't really in my what I was listening to at that point. They kind of oh, okay. fallen off, you know, cause I, you know, especially coming up with those bands, you kind of like the heavier yeah. stuff. So once they kind of, you know, get into the more radio, it's like, what's going on with it. And I like radio rock, but it, the, those bands aren't supposed to, you know, at that point anyway, <laughs> you know, now I'm like, whatever. But in 94, it was like, those bands aren't supposed to do that. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I love I love euthanasia, but I guess yeah, I wasn't there at the time. I hadn't you know been with them for a while, yeah. Whatever, like you have, I'm going backwards like in time. Yeah, I I don't hate those records, but yeah, they were. I think Metallica for me fell off after the Black Album, which for a lot of people the Black Album was the they weren't into that. Yeah. I I at least got into that. Megadeth, I think Rust in Peace was kind of where it cut off for me. Oh, okay. Um, I like some of the other stuff, but it it just I wasn't interested really in seeing it. You know, I wish I would have still stayed more into some of those the dios and the because it would have been cool. It would have been sad, but yet cool to be able to go see them in a club. <laughs> you yeah, know, like you hear close. about the, yeah, you hear yeah. about those shows like yeah, we opened up for Iron Maiden or Judas Priest, but it was the period where like Rob Halford or or you know, their singer was gone and they had a replacement. It's like they're playing like a 400-seat bar. It's like, <laughs> holy shit, I can't even imagine, even if it wasn't the original singer, seeing that original band, like Iron Maiden, in a four or 500-seat venue. Like, holy shit, <laughs> I can't, you know. It'd be like going to see Kiss at a 400-seat venue. It's just, yeah. that, it'd be insane. So I, it, it does bum me out that I maybe didn't pay attention as much to those bands because I still like those bands and I still listen to that stuff. You know, I always, always did, but it just wasn't name the band, you know, Slaughter's coming, you know, it's like, well, I don't know, I'm not going to go see that, you know. <laughs>
now, like, they're not going to go back and do, like, a whole lot from that era either. I think Bruce does do some of those, a few of the Blaze Bailey songs, but you're not really going to hear those anymore now. No. They're kind of, like, I gone. Don't, I don't trying to feel like last time I saw them was a few years ago, and I don't remember them playing any of those songs. And obviously Judas Priest yeah. doesn't do any of the Ripper songs. Yeah, so. like what, Jugulator, yeah, yeah. stuff like that. But yeah. I think Bruce, I think there's a couple live albums where they did like something from that other era, like the Man on the Man on the Edge, where it's the song about falling down. I mean, I wish I would have seen Motley on that. Yeah, you know, going back to that, like seeing them in a tiny venue. So yeah, I've actually got some non '94 questions I was oh, going to yeah. ask you too. Okay, well, I was going to throw out. I had a few oh, non-metal. Okay. Because we talked about this the other day, and you had uh, you had brought up, obviously Danzig Four came out, but yeah, you brought up the Johnny Cash, but like Tom Petty Wildflowers came out. There were you know, yeah, non non metal, but still rock. There was still decent stuff coming out. Or here you, you know? go. What do you think of uh, the Queensrÿche record, Promised Land? There's, I think that was '94. That might have been the last one, or was one that the, the first gr- one? I think it was the last one with Chris DeGarmo. Chris DeGarmo. Yeah, so I remember that record, and I think it's still a, a decent record. I I don't think I was as into it at that point. That band, unfortunately, got swept up in, I think they kind of got swept up in the grunge, cock rock thing, even though they weren't really Yeah, they rock. weren't either genre, no. but you're saying and they kind of just... I feel like they just... came in late 80s, early, right in that period where everything was changing. I don't know, I feel like they got caught up in that, even though they weren't part of it. yeah. Because I think their records were, you know, Empire was super cool and huge, but then they, you saw them drastically decline as well. But then again, the quality of records, some would argue, drastically declined yeah. as well, especially once DeGarmo left. Yeah. Well, know, shit, it would be the clock. same scenario as Dream Theater. They had Pull Me Under in 91 or 92 was actually a hit. And they yeah. had some airplay or something. But then by the time in 94 came around, they had Awake. And I love that album because it's heavy. Yeah. But then they didn't do shit because of, no. yeah, the uh, change <laughs> of the grunge thing by then. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You'd be in a shredder or a really, like, amazing technical band was was not fucking cool at that point. And yeah. I can tell you from playing music at that point because it was being a musician in that era starting in the 80s like i said the whole thing was to be as technically good as possible with the george lynch's eddie van halen yeah and then 90s and and i think that's probably why i i survived really well because i never could i'm not a monster shredder so it was just like i never really fit in with that stuff i was usually the rhythm guitar player or if i was i was playing more bluesy stuff so when grunge came around it kind of worked for me (laughs) because it was like oh i don't have to be super technical here we go. I can do this. <laughs> Drop D, one finger riffs, you know. It's like I can do this all day long. it would almost be then like what happened in the late 70s then where punk was kind of coming in there and yeah. kind of took over or something so as grunge was kind of the same thing you yeah know, taking the over. anti-corporate rock whatever yeah yeah yeah, yeah. It, i guess it'd be very similar and that there's a certain magic to that yeah i mean you are right because boston was super technical then you had sex pistols yeah <laughs> <laughs> And they are, you know, I love both of them now. You know, that's uh, the one thing about, like, you know, we've talked about this before, that as you get older anyway, I kind of was always this way. I wouldn't admit it in public. I still like a lot of different styles of music. and still can, like, throw on a Bjork record and then later on today listen to Far Beyond Driven. So you said you had some non-1994. Non-music questions, actually. Oh, boy, okay. As I said, we've done like maybe seven or eight of these now, yeah. and we're always talking about music. And I thought, I want to talk about you. I want to talk about oh, oh, Corey okay. this time. Okay. Uh-oh. So here, like, what's what's your favorite vacation destination? Because you're always traveling, oh. like either Florida, Vegas, stuff like that. It, it depends on what the, what the vibe is. For just getting away for a weekend or whatever, Florida's always good. You know, yeah. Fort Lauderdale, just sitting on a beach, drinking some drinks, eating some good food. 
as far as going on a like a long vacation or something like that, I would say Europe. Oh, nice. Um, oh, cool. I mean, I love Germany. I still have never gotten to go to. I would love to go to Japan. There's not very many places in America that I would like be like, ooh, I got it because you know, seen a lot of it traveling around either in bands or moving multiple times where I've moved to different parts of the country. Yeah. So it's like I've I've been to most major cities and not you know, kind of seen seen what I needed to see. So for me it's it's I would I would love to see Vietnam. I would love to see Japan, Australia. Like I said, there's parts of Europe like Norway, those kind of places. But as far as places I would like me and my wife talk about going, I mean we would go back to Germany in a heartbeat. We'd love it there. So Oh yeah, cuz didn't you go there for like 2 weeks? For three weeks. Yeah, or my mom it was, like was born there. Oh, wow. yeah, my mom was born there, so uh, born and raised there. So, so yeah, I've been there twice now, but we loved it. I mean, we plan on going back more often now. Got to see most of Germany this last time, and like we love Dresden. It's a cool town. Yeah, so there's that. That would be my two, the beach or Europe. Like I've. I actually never left the country. Like, I don't yeah. even have a passport. Not even so. to Mexico? Oh, not even to Mexico? No. Oh, my goodness. You got to fix that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what about you? Where do you like to go? Like, in the States, obviously. I guess I really like the mountains. Something kind of like hikish or yeah. hike and go hiking in the mountains. Because I've yeah. been to Colorado, and I like that. And I liked going down to Tennessee. Yeah. But is there, like, ooh, someday I would like to see that. Is there any one... Um, two, three places any that you're like, shit, I would love to be see this other part of the world. I guess one thing I'd like to do is, it was a few years ago going back a ways, but like it's still in the U.S., but Hawaii. I went there with a girlfriend and her family, and oh, it was yeah. kind of a weird experience, and then it even rained for like two days, so uh-huh. we really couldn't do a whole lot. We had to cancel some plans, so I'd like to go back, like maybe Hawaii or somewhere tropical, because... Yeah. I did like snorkeling. We did snorkeling. So I'd like to do more of that watery stuff too. Yeah. It was kind of neat. Yeah, see, you're more adventurous than me. Like I don't get in the ocean. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but it's funny. You, you Vacations are a strange thing because when we went to Germany, my pick, I had to go to Hamburg because I wanted that movie I told you. I wanted to see where the Beatles, it's called the Reeperbahn. Yeah. And it kind of is like the red light district. Like there is areas of there where no women are allowed to go because it's, you know. Oh, hookers shit. and yeah and it was kind of disappointing because we went and there's like this little stupid statue of the beetle there's not a lot there you know there it wasn't was... what you thought it would be I no guess. it was disappointing there was a marathon going on when we went so uh, getting to it was a pain in the ass not that you ever feel unsafe there because it's like one of the top 10 safest countries in the world i believe germany so it's like even when you're like oh that's scary it's not America scary. It was one of them weird places. My my parents were along, you know, and you're walking, you know, through this, and it's like, oh, I want to see this, and it's like, that's it, you know. It's like, okay, let's go, you know. Glad I picked this city. And then as you're walking, there's like a dildo on the ground. You're just <laughs> like, okay, <laughs> let's keep going. There's a dildo, okay, you know. Uh, so yeah, it was. I mean, it is. It's one of them places where it's like McDonald's store, porn shop. Burger King, dildo store. It's like, this place is like trippy. But it's one of them things where I, w- I wanted to go there so bad. And it ended up the one place I thought would be the least favorite. Dresden was my favorite. And the, the place I thought I would love, I was like, eh, I don't care if I ever go back there. <laughs> you know. But then again, I think we were only there two days. So I'm sure there's other parts of that. But the parts I wanted to see were the dumpier parts. <laughs> So what's what's the next? We've talked about movies and stuff before. What is your favorite movie franchise? Oh, movie franchise? Yeah. Alien movies, I would say. Yeah. As far as horror movies, I guess you would call that horror, sci-fi. I don't know. We were just talking about this today. The Rocky movies. I think oh, those shit, are, yeah. That's a super cool franchise. Yeah. Um, especially the first one, because there were a couple people that hadn't seen that movie, which blew my fucking mind. That movie, to me looking back on it years later is is a masterpiece it's a great there's that movie is awesome as far as i'm trying to think there's a so many i love hilarious movies and funny movies so there's oh, so speaking many speaking of the rocky franchise i still haven't watched the creed movies me neither i need to neither. like i want to because i've got three of them now but that's yeah. still in that same world yeah so yeah i almost think of those as 
they are offshoots. I get that they're, but they're, yeah, they are part of the franchise, but I don't think I would love them as much. Um, it still seems like it might hold up because Stallone was it involved, might. wasn't he? Think I think he or at least is, in the yeah. first one. Yeah, I don't know. And I don't, who's the actor that plays? The guy, uh, Carl Weathers, that was Creed. Uh, he yeah, passed away, he passed. but you're thinking of the young, the son? The young guy, yeah, who plays Is him. it Michael B. Jordan? Yeah, I don't know. I I, ha- I can't say I've watched those either, but as far as that kind of thing, I would say those the, those two. As far as comedy ones, I'm trying to think of uh, some good franchises. I mean, I'm usually old school, so like the Beverly Hills Cop. Oh, yeah, yeah. That kind of stuff. I love that kind of stuff, you know. Oh, yeah, they're supposed to have a new one on Netflix this year. That's what I heard, yeah. yeah. I don't know. It'll either be really good or really bad, so we'll we'll see. So, yeah, like I'm hoping it's good, but I shouldn't. I shouldn't put most originals in it. You know, I think it's got even the two cops that were kind of Judge Reinhold. He's supposed to be back. Yeah, he's one of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It seems like they got most of the people back. So we'll uh, we'll see if it's any good. How about you? What I think Kevin Bacon's friend? supposed to be in it, and is he Joseph Gordon-Levitt? Oh, really? So so at least they got some other big actors in it. Yeah. So what about you for franchises? Well, I always Fast and Furious um, love the Terminator ones, but <laughs> oh, those but the are last good, yeah. the last few kind of suck. So that would probably bring down the franchise for me. Yeah, The Conjuring. Oh, that's a newer franchise, but yeah. I dig those for the horror thing. Yeah, well, there's not even The Conjuring, but then isn't it like The Nun and all that stuff? That's what I mean. In yeah. that world too. Yeah, yeah. or the Which... Annabelle. Yeah, or something. I guess since you mentioned modern horror, I like those Insidious movies. They're all those are cool pretty too. Pretty good. Yeah, super cool. Like I would say the Alien ones, like just the Sigourney Weaver ones. Yeah, though, like we're just sticking to the classic, like because I got that right. box set of those movies. I'm trying to think of other like non like horror or action ones though. I guess James yeah. Bond's a big franchise. Yeah, a lot of those I... are pretty solid. They are pretty solid, but there's it, it. For me, it depends on the actor. Anything else? Well, this one's music related, but do you have any other music projects going on this year? There is the slight chance that Lights of Marfa may drop some songs. I don't know if live cool. thing will be happening. I would like for that to happen. There are rumors of an old band of mine having a reunion show, a band called Adeline. Whether that'll happen this year or not remains to be seen. It was supposed to happen. So that's in the works. You know, I don't want to do that. Hey, man, I got big things coming up. Can't yeah. tell you about them. Stay tuned till next week. You know, that's... <laughs> but is that Adeline? Was that... Is there a guy, Jonathan Stoy? John Stoy, yeah. I wasn't really familiar with him, but he followed A-Sides. Yeah. Some, so, so it must have been maybe he heard you on something and followed it. And I actually messaged him... Uh, just something asking about like what he played, who he played with, and he goes, "Yeah, like he he played yeah. with you." So I was like, "Oh, okay." Super talented guy, monster bass player. So when he morphed into, I'm gonna sing and play guitar. I was like, "What?" You know. Glad we got to chat. Hopefully this worked out. I don't I kind of went into it with I'm not going in with any notes. Oh, it's fine, man. I don't even care if people dig it. I've never really cared if people dig it or to listen to it because yeah. I just have these things I want to talk about and like yeah. how I else do you get to talk about shit from nineteen ninety four? You can't just sit down with some dude at work. Like they're gonna right. be like, Oh, I don't care about nineteen ninety four or something. <laughs> I don't know. Was that the year that Achy Break Your Heart came out? Oh shit. I feel like we really went way off topic there at the end, but hey, that's kind of what we do here on A Sides. But thank you for making it this far and listening to episode 147 of A Sides. Big thanks to Corey Rosani as well for coming back. Mm-hmm.